1 John chapter 4. We'll begin reading at verse 17. This is a rich section. We're going to finish up, maybe not this week, maybe the next time, this section. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have, we have from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Our Father, as we bow in your presence again, may you bless the word, open up our hearts and understanding that we can rejoice in the written word of God, that we have it, that we can study and proclaim it and believe it and rejoice in the truth. In Christ's name we give thanks. Amen. This is a great section of words here, and I pray that it be a blessing to you this morning. You know, Peter says, Desire the sin-sealed milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Jesus gave his commission to Peter. He says, Peter, feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. And I pray by the grace of God this morning and through the word of God that we can feed your souls, that you can rejoice in the word of God this morning and what you hear. And we know that the Holy Spirit has to open up our hearts and minds to receive the engrafted word which is able to save our souls. I want to bring to your attention this morning, first of all, as we study this out, uh, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. So I want to bring to your attention this morning the first thing, there is no condemnation to God's people. There is no condemnation. This is one of the reasons we shouldn't have fear. In John 5.24, which is a great verse, says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath, present tense, everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Beloved, Jesus says very clearly, we shall not come unto condemnation. There's no condemnation to them in Jesus Christ. Paul says in Romans 8, 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There's no condemnation, beloved. We're not under judgment anymore. And we'll see why as we continue on. That we may have boldness, boldness to come unto the throne of grace. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You say, I just don't feel like I got, I'm bold enough to do that. We don't do it on our own. We don't do it in ourselves. We do it in Jesus Christ and in His blood. We go, we go to the, to the throne of grace. Because the next verse says in Hebrews 10.19, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness by how? By the blood of Jesus. 
We're not worthy of anything. But Jesus is worthy of everything. And when I go to the throne of grace, I go through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for that. In 1 John 2.28, we went, we went through this earlier in our studies. And now little children abide in Him. That's the, that's the, uh, our responsibility is, uh, constantly be abiding in Him. That when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. The reason we want to live a, a, a consistent Christian life is that when Jesus comes, we won't be ashamed. We'll have confidence. As He is in the world, so are we. And this is where we get our confidence by abiding in Christ. Another, one of the, another foundation of our confidence or no condemnation is because Jesus Christ is our righteousness. He's our righteousness. Nothing in my hands I bring, said the songwriters. Beloved, it's all about Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 5.19, we're going to see that His righteousness is imputed to us. He says, to wit or to know, the word wit means to know that God was in Christ reconciling the world <coughs> unto Himself. Notice this, not imputing their trespasses unto them and have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. If they're not committed, if they were not imputed to us, who were they imputed to? They was imputed to Jesus Christ. All the sins of all the elect, all our sins, S-I-N-S, as we're going to see, were imputed to Jesus Christ as our surety. Hebrews 7.22. He was our representative. He was our surety. God imputed all our sins to Him. And He bore our sins, as we're going to see, in His body on the tree. Verse 21 says, For He had made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. What a blessed truth that is. He was made sin. He suffered on Calvary. He bore our sins in His human flesh, and His soul suffered for our sins. Paul says in Romans 3.25, Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. What does that mean? It's a covering. God covers our sins with the mercy, with the blood of Jesus covers our sins through faith in His blood. Oh, beloved, His blood is precious through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. All the sins of the past of the Old Testament, all their sins were forgiven based upon Jesus going to the cross, going to Calvary to die for their sins. Oh, beloved, what a blessing that is. Propitiation. He's covered all our sins. Another thing we see why there's no condemnation to us because we stand complete in Him. You're complete in Jesus Christ. Colossians 2.10 says, And ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and powers. Oh, beloved, everything that we need is in Jesus Christ. Paul says He's all and in all. He's everything that we need. Philippians 4.19, Paul puts it this way, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What is your need this morning? No matter what your need is, Jesus Christ can supply your need. God can through Jesus Christ. I can do all things, Paul says, through Christ who infuses strength into me. Never give up hope. As long as we're alive, God is on the throne. We have hope, Brother Roger. We have hope. 
So we see then that God can make it supply all our needs according to the riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, and it says we're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So again this morning, no matter what your need is, God can meet your need through Christ. Now I want to look at the scriptures about the power of the blood of Christ in scripture. The blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Beloved, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin, as Paul said. In Romans chapter 5, verse 9, we're going to see the first verse I'm going to quote this morning. It's much more than being now justified, acquitted by His blood. We're justified by His blood. We shall be saved from wrath through Him. Since God has pronounced us justified, who is He that justified us? God. It's God that justifieth. He justified us through Christ's blood, through His righteousness. And because of that, we stand complete in Jesus Christ. I have a quote here from Gill I thought was a very good quote. He said, Justification in God's mind from eternity proceeded upon the suretyship engagements of Christ to be performed in time. In the words, in God's mind, we were justified from eternity. God always, we were elected from eternity, eternal election. And we're justified in eternity because God saw us in Christ, not in ourselves, justified. We're, saints were justified of God with a view to the blood of the Lamb, which was to be shed. This blood was now shed, and an application of justification by it was now to be made to the person spoken of. And beloved, we see that God looked at, God made it a covenant with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Father, and Jesus agreed to that and came to earth to die for our sins and shedding His blood. And because of that, God saw us justified in His Son. We're justified by blood. Another thing we see by the blood is redemption. Redemption means to buy back out of the slave market. We were in the slave market. You ever pawn something in a pawn shop, then you go back in 30 days and get it. If you give the money back, you get your, you get your, what you pawned back. Well, Jesus bought us out of the pawn shop. He bought us out of slavery. And the Greek word that they use means to never return again. We're not going to return back into bondage slavery. We're free. We're freeborn now, beloved. In whom we have redemption. Through His blood, we were bought. The purchase of our salvation, the purchase of our redemption was the blood and suffering and death of Jesus Christ. And the forgiveness of sins is based upon that. That's why it says in 1 John, if, if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why? He forgives us based upon Jesus' sacrifice, His death, His blood. We don't deserve forgiveness. We're sinners, condemned, ungodly, wicked. But God forgives us for Christ's sake. Also in Colossians 1.14 it says, In whom we have redemption. In whom we have redemption. Through His blood. Again, we see the word redemption. It's a, it's a, Colossians and Ephesians are similar together. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. You know, that's one of the greatest blessings on this side of eternity. To know that your sins are forgiven for Christ's sake. Look back in your life from as long as you can go back and come forward. All the sins that you've ever committed or ever will commit are been forgiven. 
That's grace. That's grace. That's mercy. That's joy. Peter said, joy unspeakable and full of glory. When I realize in my mind, and the Holy Spirit impresses my heart, your sins have been forgiven. He told those who he forgive their sin, go thy way and sin no more. That should be our attitude once we're forgiven not to sin anymore. Hebrews 9.22 And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission or no forgiveness. If Jesus had not died and shed his blood, we would have no forgiveness. None. Oh, we should be thankful for the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he willingly laid down his life, shed his blood because he loved us. We're going to get down to this verse in a few moments. We love him because he first loved us. Oh, what a precious verse that is to each one of us also. We have peace through the blood. In verse 20, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, you say, how can you have peace in your conscience? Because if the sins have been all forgiven, they've been dealt with, they've been put away by the sacrifice of Christ, He is our peace. That's why we can have peace with God and not be full of and full of condemnation and be and be fearful. Because fear is torment, is it we're going to see as we get into this first. Fear brings torment. And a lot of people don't have assurance of their salvation because they're not abiding in Christ. They're not walking with Christ. They're not obeying the Word of God. And when you don't, you can't have the assurance that you want to have in your life as a Christian. Because fear is there. And fear brings torment. And having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by him, I say, whether there be things in earth or things in heaven, to reconcile. All God's people have been reconciled to God, as we're going to see. Another verse, I quoted this earlier, to wit, Second Corinthians 5, 19, to wit that God was in Christ. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. That's referring to God's elect world. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. It couldn't be the whole world because God imputes sins to some that are in the world. But he does not impute sins to his people. They were imputed to Christ. He went to the cross. He bore those sins in his body on the tree. Oh, beloved, what a blessing that is. Not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. It says in Hebrews 9.12, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered into once into the holy place. Beloved, he went into the holy place, not with animal sacrifices, not with goats and sheep. His own blood, his own blood he shed. He shed that blood. And by his own blood he entered into once into the holy place, having obtained, notice this, eternal redemption for us. Not part-time redemption, if you hold out to the end, but eternal redemption. Praise God, we have been eternally redeemed by Jesus Christ. What he does, he does. He completes it. He doesn't try to do something. He does it. He didn't come to try to save us. He saved us. Past tense. From our sins, beloved. He shall, his name should be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He doesn't need our help. When we believe, we're already saved before we ever believe, but we need to come to the knowledge of that. 
Our sins have been washed away. You know, a lot of people don't believe that, but I believe it. I believe when Jesus died on the cross, He shed His blood. That's when our sins were washed away. That's when our sins were cleansed. Not when I do something. He did it. Oh, beloved. Thank God for that. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Beloved, if your conscience bothers you, you need to realize that God, the blood of Jesus Christ, cleanses our conscience from dead works that we can serve the true and living God. We don't serve God by works. We serve God by grace. We serve God by willingness. Oh, beloved, we do, the works is an evidence of our salvation, but not the cause of our salvation. We're not against works, good works. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? Good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. But nowhere does it say works will, will bring you to salvation or will bring you to heaven. The Bible said that no man is justified by works in the sight of God. No man. There's no salvation by works. It's only by free grace of God. In Hebrews 10, 19 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness, boldness to enter into the holiness by the blood of Jesus. When we come before the throne of grace, we come by blood. I come by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 13 and verse 12 says, Wherefore Jesus also that he might sanctify the people. With his own blood. You've been sanctified by the blood of Jesus. You've been justified. You've been redeemed. And now you've been sanctified. How? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Suffered without the gate. He suffered without the gate. Oh, beloved. What a blessing it is to know that Jesus is our justification. He's our redemption. He's our propitiation. All our forgiveness is based upon what he did. He suffered in our place on the tree that we might go free. May this truth get a hold of your heart. That Jesus loved you personally. Personally. If there was no one else in the world but just you, you alone, He would have still went to the cross and died to save you. He saved His people. He came to die and to save His people. He said, I laid, I laid my life down freely. No one forced Him to do it. He laid it down on His own will, His own good pleasure. He was willing to die and to suffer for you and I. And this brings us down to the book of Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20 where He says, Now the God of peace... They're brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus. God brought Jesus from the dead, raised Him from the dead. That great shepherd of the sheep. Oh, He loved His sheep. He loved His sheep. Many sheep I have which are not of this fold. That's calling about you and I. The gent there was the Jewish fold and there was the Gentile fold. We are of the Gentiles. Other sheep I must bring. Oh, beloved, I'm glad that He included you and I. I'm glad he died not just for Jews only, but for Jew and Gentile alike. Thank God for that. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. See, this cup blood goes all the way back to eternity in the everlasting covenant that God set up with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit who covenanted to save his people. The Father chose us. 
The Son redeemed us, and the Holy Spirit, through application, gives us a new birth, gives us life, and shows us the Scriptures, and brings us to glory. We've been sealed until the day of redemption through the Holy Spirit. We serve a great God, beloved. A wonderful God. A God that we should praise every day of our lives. We should worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Now Peter has a few things to say about this too, which I think is precious. In 1 Peter 1.19, he has this to say. We were redeemed not with silver and gold. God didn't buy redemption by money, silver, gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, verse 19. As a lamb without blemish, without spot. Beloved, the blood of Jesus is precious. You know, some things, uh, we see a little baby, you say, oh, how precious that baby is. You hold him in your hands. They are precious. And think about this, the blood of Jesus that he shed at Calvary on your behalf, it's precious blood. It's precious because it redeemed you and I from hell. It paid for our sin debt. It justified the justice and law of God. He's satisfied. He's propitiated. That covering, He covers our sins. There's no wrath to those who are in Jesus Christ, beloved. It's precious blood. Oh, hallelujah for that. And He was without sin. You say, how could He die if He was without sin? He died for our sins. He died for our sins and your sins. John says in 1 John 1, 7, <coughs> But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And there's nothing greater in this side of eternity than have fellowship with God. Take time to pray every day, that song says. Take time to be holy. And we do that through prayer and communion with God. Walk in the light as He is in the light. We have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us, present tense, cleansing us from all sin. No matter when you sin, the blood is there cleansing you. Hallelujah, Brother Dave. God has provided forgiveness for sinners, for Christians. We are Christians, but we still sin. And God has provided a way for us as we confess that blood cleanses. It's continually cleansing us from all sin. And He restores our fellowship. Our relationship is eternal. There's now no condemnation. But we lose our fellowship with God when we sin. And we don't want to lose that fellowship because there's no greater friend, no greater uh, fellowship than with the God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's the reason I'm bringing some of these things out about the great salvation. I want you to realize you cannot lose your relationship with God by sinning, but you can lose your fellowship with God. You can get out of the will of God. You become backslidden. You become cold toward the things of God. You become cold toward the Word of God. You come cold in prayer. Why? Because sin is crept into your life. And sin, what does it do? It hardens our heart. Paul says in Hebrews, warn one another daily. If you see a brother or sister going to sin, warn them because sin has a way of hardening the heart. Oh, beloved, we have to warn each other and pray one for another. It's so important. But the blood of Christ is presently tense, cleansing us from all sin. So you never get away from the blood. There's never a moment 
that you don't need the blood cleansing you from all sins, whether it be in word or deed or thought. The blood is always present to con- to cleanse you. Oh, I tell you what, I thank God for that. See, they had to go in the Old Testament and offer a sacrifice and slay it, pour the blood upon the altar and a scapegoat. They sent a scapegoat. But in our case, we have the blood continually available to cleanse us from all sin. We have the blood available so we can continually go to the throne of grace and ask for mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. Oh, it's precious blood, beloved. Precious. And I just quoted this earlier. John says, if we confess our sins, notice the word sins, plural, plural. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, plural, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we confess our sin, we should confess them individually if God brings them to your mind. Sins. If we confess our sins, plural, plural. Some people believe that God only died for sin, not for sins. I believe what the Scripture says. First Peter 2.24, here's what Peter says. Who his own self bear our sins, plural, S-I-N-S, in his body on the tree. He died for every individual sin, word, deed, or thought that you ever committed. He died for that. He suffered for that. He went through agony for that. His soul suffered because of our sins. He groaned upon the tree. His soul was made an offering for sin. God poured His wrath upon His Son that we, our sin, would be washed away. What a blessed, how much, what a wonderful Savior we have. We sing that song, Hallelujah, what a Savior. Beloved, He is a wonderful Savior that can love sinners like you and I. I don't know about you, but I deserve hell. I deserve to be in the region of the damned, but only because of God's mercy and because of His grace and because Jesus died as my substitute. That's the only reason I'm going to heaven. I'm no better than anyone else, and neither are you. It's by the grace of God. Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And we all have to confess that. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. We were healed, Isaiah 53. Read that sometime and meditate on Isaiah 53. Who was wounded for our transgressions. Oh, and he was and he was bruised for our iniquities. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Oh, how we should thank God and read that. You know, Peter was talking to the eunuch, and the eunuch asked him, who is he talking about in Isaiah 53? And it says he took the same scripture and preached unto him who? Jesus. That's all about Jesus, brother. The word of God is all about the Lord. He's the Savior of our souls. Hallelujah. What a Savior. We come down to Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. It says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, He was faithful. He never changed His mind. He went all the way to the cross and faced death because He loved you and I. Are we being faithful to Him? We need to be faithful to Him. We need to be a faithful witness to the Lord. Testify to others about the grace of God. Are we doing that? We need to. 
and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us. Oh, he loved us, beloved. Let that sink in your soul. Jesus loves you. Forget about everybody else at the moment. He loved you. He loved you who loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood. Again, sins, plural. He washed us from our sins in His blood. God didn't just look at your sins and blink His eye and say, oh, it's okay. His justice, He's a holy God, had to be satisfied. And it was satisfied by the shedding of Jesus' blood. He was God manifested in the flesh. He was... uh, 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 his person was magnified because he was God-man. And when when he offered his sacrifice, beloved, it, God the Father accepted it, and our sins were no longer, they were put away. Who put our sins away by, the, by offering himself. I'm glad my sins have been put away to be remembered no more against us. One day you say, well, our sins will be brought up against us in, in judgment. No, they won't. Don't never put that in your mind. Our sins have been put away. God deals with sin in the present life. He deals with us now. When we sin, He says, the Father whom the Father loves, He chastens. He chastens. He'll chasten you when you sin. He'll deal with you as with sons and daughters. Now sometimes the chastening of God can be difficult. It can be very hard. But He does it because He loves us. Think about that. Our sins are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Revelation 5, 9 says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood. Notice how that's emphasized over and over. Has redeemed us to God the Father by thy blood. Redemption is by blood, beloved. Salvation is by the blood of Jesus Christ. Out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, the Lord's going to save His people no matter where they're at. He's going to, He's redeemed His people. Out of every tongue, kindred and people and nation, God is no respect of persons. Oh, hallelujah. What a savior. And this brings us down to 1 Corinthians 1.30. A beautiful thought. Of all that I've said so far to build you up, to encourage you. But of Him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Jesus is all of that to you and I. He's our wisdom. If any man has wisdom, let him ask of God. Righteousness. Christ is our righteousness. We stand complete in Him. He's our sanctification. We were set apart and sanctified by what? By the blood of Jesus Christ and our redemption. We were redeemed by the blood. Oh, beloved. So it says in verse 31, and this should be our testimony, that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. I pray this morning that you're given the praise and glory to God. There's no glory to us. Nothing in my hands I bring, said the psalmist. Simply to the cross I cling. Nothing in me. Nothing. Paul, uh, author says, our righteousness is as filthy rags. Jesus is our righteousness. We're clothed with His righteousness. Oh, beloved, what a precious thing this is. Now, the reason I brought this out here, so when we come to the next verse, you can understand verse 18 a little better. 
Because verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear hath torment. No fear in love. When you really understand the love of God for your soul and what Jesus has done for you, that gives you assurance of salvation. See, it's love. It's the key. All the way through, you're going to see love. Now, none of us are going to be perfect in love, as we're going to see. The fear of spoken here is not reverence fear of, of, of punishment, a holy fear of displeasing the Father through sin. But as the context indicates, fear hath torment, slavish fear, a slave for a master of a criminal. Beloved, fear brings torment. And the less you see the love of God, the more you have fear in your life. To cast out fear, the more you're filled with love, the more you concentrate on love, the more you love God in back, the love will disperse that fear. What a blessing that is as we see that. Fear, the word fear or torment, it has to do with punishment, penalty, penalty, and brings with it uh, the connection of of, a thought of punishment. And a lot of Christians are fearful because they're afraid they're going to have to pay service for their sins. But your sins have been dealt with by Jesus Christ. What we're going to have to deal with is, in this life, we have to deal with Father chastising us. We have to lose with losing the joy of our salvation. We have to lose... Now, here's another thing you don't realize. When you're not walking with God and you're not fellowshipping with God, you can't pray. You can't pray. Now, you can ask God for mercy and forgiveness, and then you can pray. As long as we are in a backslidden condition, out of fellowship with God, the windows of heaven are closed to you. Now you can pray all you want, but it won't be heard until you come to the point where you say, Father, forgive me, I've sinned. Restore my fellowship so that I can have fellowship with you. I can pray with you. I can enjoy the Word of God. I can enjoy the things of God. I can enjoy the Lord Jesus Christ. I can rejoice in the Lord my God. Beloved, Sin is our enemy. Sin destroys our joy and peace. The devil bewitches people. You know, it speaks about Moses. He suffered with the people of God rather than enjoy sin for a season. Now, there is a carnal joy in sin, but it's only for a season. Then there comes that the dealing of God with your soul. It's not worth it. Sin is your enemy. If we play with sin, and and remember, who's the author of sin? The devil. If we commit sin, we're given allegiance to the devil. I know we don't like to face reality. Jesus said, whom you serve, whom you commit yourself to, that's who you serve. Now we've got to realize when we serve sin, we're serving the devil. I don't care if it's Brother Rose, Brother Dave, Brother Roger, any of you. When we serve sin, we're serving Satan. Now, that's not easy to think about. We don't look at it that way. But that's reality. So it's it's important that you have a hatred for sin. Abhor that which is evil. And cleave to that which is good. The word perfect means brought to fullness or 
maturity. When the love of God is so shed abroad in our hearts and we come to grow in that knowledge, the, the more we understand love, the more fear goes out. When you realize and come to that comprehension in your mind, all my sins have been dealt with, there's no condemnation, then the fear of judgment, and you know that you're going to be like Christ when you face Him, that takes out the fear. It takes out the fear of judgment. And I had a note here. No believer's love has ever been so perfect as entirely to banish fear, but every believer experienced that as his love increases, his fear diminishes. But all of us, no matter what stage of our Christian life, still we have to deal with fear. The fear of the unknown. What gives us to be uneasy about things that are going on in the world like the providence of God? It's our unbelief and that's a sign of fear. We all have to deal with fear. We all have to deal with unbelief. And it faces every one of us. Situations in our families, situations in our lives, cancer, sicknesses. These things we all have to face because this is reality of life, death. And the more we put our love and trust in God, the less that will affect us. And that's, that's a precious thing to think about. So if you have fear, you need more love manifested to your life. You need more love. The word casteth out, the verb task casteth out, underlines that whatever fear speaks seeks to grip the heart. Perfect love acts to cast it out. See, the more the love of God you have in your heart, it casts out fear. We need the Holy Spirit to put more love and shed abroad that love in our hearts so that fear goes out. And remember, the Word of God teaches us in 2 Timothy 1.7. This is a verse you need to write down and remember. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Well, who gives it to us? Satan. Fear comes from the devil. And unbelief, the old nature. But God has given us but a power and of love and of a sound mind. Because love, so you say, why did he put love in there? Because love cast out fear, John says. So if you're having trouble with fear, you need to get into the Word of God and learn more about the love of God and ask the Holy Spirit to shed that love in your heart that that fear can be cast out. Oh, beloved. See, God's Word has got an answer for all our needs. And then verse 19 of this chapter says, We love Him because He first loved us. I want to note a few things about love. And this love here is agape. It's the love of sacrifice, sacrificial sacrifice. In 1 John, the word love is used 32 times in 23 verses. Now, that's a lot of times in 1 John. It's only five chapters. But he uses the word love 32 times in 23 verses. And in Psalm 90, chapter 90, verse 2, it says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Beloved, with God there is no beginning and no end because He's everlasting. 
So no wonder he says in Jeremiah 31, 3, Roger's favorite verse, The Lord appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Why? Because God is from everlasting to everlasting. Thou art God. His love has no beginning. His love has no end. Now, you and I, the love that we have has a beginning in our existence, but that love is eternal. Because it began with God. God said it abroad in our hearts. In our existence, it has a beginning, but it'll never have no end. Hallelujah. That's why there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. With loving kindness have I drawn thee. Now, this gives us another thought as we come down. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. John 6, 44, what did the Lord say? No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. What? Draw him. Draw him. And I will raise him up at the last day. God said, with loving kindness I've drawn thee. Oh, the time in our lives when Jesus drew us to himself. God the Father draw us to Jesus. And we put our faith and trust in him. What a day that was. Oh, happy day. Oh, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. Oh, beloved. Another thing about faith we see, I mean by love, uh, you know, we, uh, we speak about faith, love, and hope. It says in Galatians 5, 6, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, no uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by what? Love. Faith is dead faith without love. Because love is an evidence, it's a verb, it shows action. Love has to be seen, beloved. And it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now about a faith, hope, and charity. That word charity there is the same Greek word, agape. These three, but the greatest of these is what? Love. Charity in the King James, but it's love. It's the same Greek word, love. So the greatest is love. Love. All through 1 John, he's talking about love, love to God, love to the children of God. Jesus taught us to love one another as I have loved you, so love one another. In Romans 13, it says, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. The love is the answer, beloved. The love of God shall have brought in our hearts, demonstrated in our lives to each other. We're to love one another. We're to love God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind. And as that love is penetrating through us, it delivers us from the trials of life and gives us victory over the devil. We love him because he first loved us. We love him, which is referring to Jesus Christ. Jesus, him is talking about Jesus Christ and God the Father. His love is the free grace of salvation to his people. Now this is all free grace because it says in John 3, 27, John answered and said, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from, from heaven. Salvation has to come to you from heaven. You can't earn it. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? And if you did receive it, why does thy glory as if thou had not received it? I can't go around bragging, oh, look what I'm doing, look what I've done. Well, everything we have we received by grace, Brother Dave. By grace we received it. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. We're ungodly before we're saved. Christ died for sinners. 
And oh, John, uh, James 1.17, here's where all, they all come from, the good gifts. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You have to give God all the glory. Everything you have in spiritual things comes from God the Father. Blessing. Because in Romans 8.28, which says, For all things work together for good to them that love God, Love God and them that are called according to His purpose. Beloved, it's God who's working all things according to His purpose. It's God the Father He's talking about there. He's the one doing all of that. No wonder, again, Paul says that according as it is written, He that glorieth on Him, glory in the Lord. If you do get anything out of the message this morning, give God all the glory for your salvation. He deserves the glory. Hebrews 2.13 says, And again I will put my trust in Him, and again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me, He gave us to Jesus Christ in the eternal covenant of redemption. And Jesus said in John 6.37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will no wise cast out. In Acts 13, 48, it says, When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life, what? Believed. Who gets the glory? Everything about our salvation is of grace. From the beginning to the end. No wonder Peter says in 1, 8, and we'll close with this. Whom having not seen, ye love. None of us have seen Christ with a physical eye, but we've seen Him spiritually. You love Him. And whom though now you see Him not yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Beloved, that comes through fellowship with the Lord. The more you have God's love put in your soul, the more you fellowship with the Lord, the joy comes. Joy that you can't explain. You have to experience. You can't explain this joy to someone else. They have to experience it themselves. And Peter says, unto you therefore which believe he is precious. I hope everyone here this morning believes Jesus is precious. But unto them which is be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallow, the same is made the head of the corner, and those who reject Christ will be crushed by the same stone. Oh, beloved, I pray a few of these things I brought to your attention this morning might be encourage you to fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. Don't give up. Don't give up. There's a little illustration about not giving up where this bird was eating this frog and the frog had, uh, uh, this bird had the frog in his mouth, but the frog had his hands around the bird's neck. <laughs> and the motto was, never give up. <laughs> so beloved, the Lord is our God and we serve Him. And we have the Word of God to go to. We have a throne of grace. Never give up. Don't give up. No matter how dark it is, there's always hope for all of us. May we pray. Our gracious Father, we thank you for your word and testimony. We thank you for the word of God. Lord, what a blessing we've read this morning of the scriptures that to build up our faith, to encourage us, to feed us, to feed upon the Lord Jesus, on the Father and the Holy Spirit, that we may grow in grace and knowledge of God, that we may strengthen our faith, that our love might be grown and strengthened, that our love so fear can be cast out, that we may be better servants and rejoicing in the joy of the Lord is our strength. In Jesus' name we give thanks. Amen. Amen. Does someone have a song in closing?